0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Uh, as Dee Dee just prayed, my name is Daniel and I'm one of the pastors and I'm so glad uh, that you're with us. I'm thankful for this second outdoor service uh, that we are now able to enjoy. And. Uh, for another Sunday of good weather. Uh, And so I'm grateful that you decided to be with us this morning. And for those who are streaming, uh, I'm glad that you're connecting with us as as well. Uh, We began a 12-week series last week uh, titled Answering Jesus. Uh, we, We are looking over the next couple of months at how Jesus was and is the champion question asker. Jesus asked over 300 questions in the Bible. And so each week, we're gonna look at one of the questions that Jesus asked 2000 plus years ago. And I believe that he is still wanting to ask us today. I came across a quote from Frederick Buechner uh, this past week that I really liked. Uh, This is what Buechner wrote. Don't start looking in the Bible for the answers it gives. Start by listening for the questions it asks. When you hear the question that is your question, then you've already begun to hear much. Whether you can accept the Bible's answer or not, you've reached the point where at least you can begin to hear it too. I think Beekner suggests this because if we enter the Bible and we approach God this way, we're doing so relationally, not just to find our answers or to fact check, but to truly allow the word of God to draw us into an experience of a relationship with the living God. Last week I said that a good question has the power to open the door of our hearts, inviting us to be honest and vulnerable, leading us into real relationship. This is exactly why Jesus asked questions in the four Gospels. He's engaging relationally in order to open the heart up to be honest so that being in relationship with Jesus, we might understand more about ourselves, more about our need for God, and more about the true nature of God's kingdom. This morning, the question that Jesus asked the disciples and that he's asking us is, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to God's word. And we're going to read from the gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you speak to us, that you reveal yourself to us. We need to hear from you this morning. And thank you, Jesus, that you asked this question to your fearful disciples 2,000 plus years ago, and you ask us this morning, why are we so afraid? You still have no faith? Lord, I pray that you would lead us to to see you, to behold and to encounter you, and that you would allow us to leave here full of faith and full of courage. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, basic fears that make many people's top fears list are things like fear of heights, fear of public speaking, fear of snakes. Uh, we, We live in a neighborhood that is literally filled with copperhead snakes. I hate snakes. I am deathly afraid of snakes for me there's no such thing as a good snake I know some of y'all think there some of you think there's some good snakes there's not a good snake in my opinion I'm starting to believe that one of the reasons the Lord led us to live to kind of live in our neighborhood is that he knew that I would have to face my fears 2020 has been heavy upon us for nine months now and I think we could add some other fears to the top fears list fear of becoming ill the fear of systemic injustice, the fear of not having enough money, fear of the 2020 election, fear of the people we love dying, fear of our own death. One of the leading researchers of fear in America is Chapman University. And one thing they've discovered is that since 2016, fear in America has increased and intensified. More people, are afraid and more people have more fears than ever before. More and more Americans are increasingly more afraid. I don't think I have to do much convincing for us all to agree that the storm of 2020 has caused fear to rise. In our passage this morning in Mark chapter four, Jesus and his disciples get in a boat on the sea of Galilee and a great windstorm arose. This was a violent storm. This wasn't kind of a strong gust of wind. This was more like Hurricane Sally on the Sea of Galilee. Verse 37, it says that the waves were breaking into the boat. The boat was filling with water. And these disciples, they were experienced sailors, experienced fishermen, yet the passage says they were terrified, deeply afraid, not only because of the storm, but because of the sea. Ancient readers of scripture, they understood something that I think we could easily miss today. The sea throughout the Bible, it is a symbol of darkness and destruction. It symbolized for the Jewish people, the threat of darkness and the power of evil. In Genesis chapter one, before God created, the world was a watery chaos. In the book of Daniel, the sea is where the monsters come from. In John's apocalyptic vision of God's complete and restored kingdom in the book of Revelation, it is a kingdom where there will no longer be any sea. N.T. Wright wrote that the sea came to symbolize the, the dark power of evil threatening to destroy God's good creation, God's people, God's purposes. The sea was a mysterious dark force, unpredictable, which one could not tell what was coming out of it. This is why the disciples are so afraid. This inability to see, therefore, an unpredictability. Right? Many children and many adults are afraid of the dark. Right? My two oldest children, they prefer some type of nightlight. Why? Because it helps people see what the darkness prevents from seeing. The darkness is unpredictable, it's scary. So fear rises in our hearts when life is unpredictable, when we cannot tell what is happening or what might happen. And if 2020 has taught us anything, it is that we are a people who live on the sea, not on the land. Our lives are not firm and predictable. As much as we try to manage and pretend like they are, as many resources as we might have and use, the coronavirus is not a respecter of persons. Death is not a respecter of persons. Our lives are unpredictable. As the disciples are in this storm of unpredictability and darkness, verse 38 says they wake Jesus from his sleep and they say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? These men had left everything to follow Jesus and they had seen time and time again him display his power. I mean, just before this storm, Jesus healed a paralyzed man and a man with a withered hand in Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 3. But now in Mark chapter 4, in the midst of the storm, in the face of unpredictability, full of fear, we learn from them two things that are key indicators of a life lived in fear. Doubt and demand. Doubt and demand. Doubt of God's power and God's control. And if we doubt God's power and God's control, then we've got to look somewhere else for power and control. And more often than not, we look to ourselves. And so we seek to control, to manage our lives, becoming filled with anxiety and unrest. And for some of us here, it's uh, really easy at times to hide that anxiety and unrest. And so we kind of have this what I call low-grade anxiety, not on the surface, but it's constantly humming in our hearts, but maybe nobody can see it. For others of us here, it's really difficult to hide the anxiety and unrest. It's on the surface of our lives for, for people to feel and for people to see. So no matter which one of those you are, I know that there is an enormous amount of unrest because of the unpredictability of life. Many of you are afraid of what's gonna happen with your jobs some of you are afraid that you'll be able to might not be able to pay your rent or your mortgage some of you are afraid for your children some of you are afraid at the birth of a soon-to-be child some of you are afraid about getting into grad school or not being able to save enough for retirement some of you are afraid you're never going to meet your husband or your wife some of you are afraid you're going to get sick and this might be why some of you, unlike Jesus, who is deeply asleep in the boat, are having a hard time physically sleeping at night. And so in the midst of this fear, we seek to manage our lives and we believe, we believe that if we just work 50 to 60 hours a week, we'll have success at our job, we'll climb the ladder. That if we can save this amount of money, we'll, we'll experience some security. That if my children engage in these certain activities, they will be successful in life. That, Maybe if I just lower my standards in dating, I'll end up being able to get married. Or if I take this pill or drink one more drink, maybe I'll finally be able to experience some peace. And in the face of fear, we can doubt that God is good and that he's in control. Instead, we believe we are in control. Doubt's a key indicator of a life full of fear. The second key indicator is demand. We can respond like the disciples here in the boat. God You don't care about me? Jesus, I really appreciate you being asleep on me when I need you most. Thanks for letting me down again. Really appreciate that. And we begin to demand from God and we boss God around. Fear, it leads us to trust our own instinct, to believe that our reality is true. But here's the thing, fear blinds us to see what is true reality. And here's the true reality. God is in the boat. God is with us. God is in control. Look at Jesus in the midst of this hurricane. He wasn't in the bow of the boat where the water could splash him. He was tucked away in the stern. He was deep asleep. Maybe he was tucked away in the stern with a blanket, with a pillow under his head. So sound asleep that the waves crashing into the boat, and the water filling up the boat didn't wake him up. So they wake Jesus up. And they demand, teacher, do you not care about us? You can almost imagine Jesus getting up, stretching, and yawning. He doesn't pray. He doesn't ask for help from God. He simply speaks. Peace. Be still. Literally quiet down. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Hurricane Sally, it made landfall on the Gulf Coast on Wednesday, and it made its way through North Carolina. And most of you know this, when a storm has passed, it takes days for the waters to calm down. Jesus simply speaks two words, quiet down, and the sea calmed instantly. You know who I can say quiet down to? My dog and my children. (laughs) Because I have a little bit of inherent authority over them. You know who listens to me when I say it? Not really either of them. <laughs> my dog keeps doing what he's doing, and my children keep doing what they're doing. So much for my authority, right? Jesus says, quiet down. And immediately the wind stopped and the sea was calm. And then Jesus asked his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And then look at verse 41. It says, they were filled with great fear. And they said, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The lights finally go off for the disciples. This is Jesus. He's not only able to display power, but this is Jesus who's now claiming divine power. They're acquainted with the Old Testament. They know that only God is able to still the sea. They know Psalm 29, that the Lord sits enthroned above the flood This is Jesus, God in the flesh. God is in the boat. He is not God in the storm, but he is the Lord over the storm. He controls all things, and to him alone belongs all power and all authority. Jesus is bigger than any hurricane, stronger than any storm, greater than any fear. Jesus is God above all gods king above all kings and lord above all lords. Death itself could not hold him down. He would rise from the dead telling death to quiet down because he would hold power over death and hell. The disciples realize this is God in our boat and they're terrified. They're now in awe of the one who has power and authority over all things. Listen he. Here's what I want you to hear, if anything, this morning. The moral of this story is not, let's hope all storms go away. Because they will not. We live on the sea, not on land. And it's not figure out your own strategy to make your fears go away. Let's manage our life as best we can. The invitation that Jesus offers in this question, why are you so afraid, is one of relationship with the one who holds all power and is in control over all things. And he's asking you to be honest about your fear. He's asking you to name your fears, not to act like they don't exist, but to name them. They do, all of us are human. And in our humanity, we are afraid. The real issue is where do you go with your fear? Where do you go? If fear instinctually looks to a person, because we're we're created relational, to be in relationship. It's a fear we look to to a person who can help us in the midst of our fear. That's why when my son doesn't have his nightlight on, he yells out, Mama, Dada. He's crying out specifically to someone bigger and stronger than he is. When I was in third grade, my brother, who's seven years older than me, he drove me to school in his 1980. Silver BMW. I'd get out of the car. I thought I was the coolest guy in the world because my brother was the coolest guy in the world. And one day, two classmates, they got mad at me. It's third grade, but this rocked my world. Uh, It was probably some playground sports fiasco, and they all of a sudden said they're going to fight me. Two guys are going to fight me, and I I was scared. I was terrified. These guys are going to beat me up. and I was gripped with fear until my brother, who was in high school, played football and drove a a 1980 silver BMW, rolled up and he got out of the car. And then I was at peace because all he had to do was say, stop, because he was stronger and badder than anybody on that playground. He had power and authority. When the storms of life come, when the winds and the sea rage, when the unpredictable and unseen comes upon us, Jesus wants us to name our fear and then turn to Him and realize that He is the one who told death to quiet down and that He is in the boat and He is with us and we can trust Him. That no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, Jesus is with you and He is stronger and more powerful than anything, our broken and dark world might toss our way. So Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Trust me, walk with me in the midst of your fear. And as we put our faith in Jesus, we become people of courage in the face of unpredictability and the unseen, right? Instead of hoarding our money, we become people who are generous with our money Instead of making sure we get ours first, we look to make sure others get theirs. Instead of hunkering down inside our homes, we open up our homes and we invite people in. The church, especially the early church, was famous for its courage in showing hospitality to the poor and the suffering. During the, the plagues of the first century, Christians who could have fled in fear, stayed in the cities, and they took care of the sick and the dying, often at the cost of their own life. Let me tell you, this type of courage, it doesn't happen by denying our fear. It doesn't happen by creating a strategy to cope with our fear. Becoming courageous in the face of fear in the midst of the storm happens when we name our fear, and we turn to Jesus, and we realize God is in our boat. And hear me, church, Jesus, God with us, has promised to never leave nor forsake us. No matter what you're going through, he is with you. And God has all authority and power in heaven and on earth. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we could name our fears Help us to not deny it, suppress it, act like we don't have it. Whether we're able to kind of live with this low-grade unrest or, or maybe it bubbles up and people can feel it and see it. Either way, Lord, we're, we all have fear. So let, let us name it and then let us turn to you, Jesus, and see that you are God with us. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to you. So give us peace, give us rest, give us courage.